You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 151. Today's reading is from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he journeyed, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed about him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call upon thy name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and took food and was strengthened. To begin today, Father, would you discuss the significance of Saul losing his sight on the road to Damascus and then regaining it after Ananias laid hands on him. Yeah, absolutely. But before doing that, I think it's important to take a step back and to look at the bigger picture going on in this story, which I believe will help us understand the specifics of this story, such as Saul losing his sight. Okay, Father, so how far should we uh, zoom out to better understand today's reading? Well, I would step back to point out the fact that Saul, who we, of course, uh, better know under his new name, Paul, and I'll kind of use those interchangeably here throughout this podcast, but Paul is quite clearly the chief of the apostles. Not only are most of the writings of the New Testament attributed to him directly, but even those not written by him or attributed to him were clearly influenced by him. And so we might say the entire New Testament is from or influenced by the Pauline tradition. Can you expand a little further on that, Father, by what you mean there? Well, yeah, and this on this issue we've talked a couple times on previous episodes, this issue between Peter and Paul that we hear about in the book of Galatians. Uh, so they had quite a conflict, and Paul ultimately called out Peter to his face. He says that he was playing a hypocrite 
by not openly accepting the Gentiles into the community when under pressure from some of his fellow Jewish Christians. So, long story short here, we likely would not have Christianity today, certainly not as we know it, were it not for Paul of Tarsus and his way of thinking and understanding Jesus' teaching and then his determination and zeal to ensure that the correct teaching of Jesus was maintained by the early Christian community. So in that sense, all of the New Testament is Pauline, having been either written by, attributed to, or influenced by him. Another way to say this might be that Paul was the canon, that any teaching contrary to his simply didn't make it into the New Testament. And then how does this relate to the bigger picture that you want to paint for us before we go further in depth on today's story from Acts 9? Well, the story of Acts 9 essentially encapsulates this bigger picture of Saul slash Paul accepting the gospel and showing how he understood the gospel message and confirming that this understanding was the only correct way to understand Jesus' teaching. How so, Father? Well, first of all, we can talk about the names that are used in this story, and and our regular listeners, they're going to be aware that I often highlight how names also uh, frequently have a deeper connection to the themes of a story. They often underscore the general message or main points of a biblical story, both in the Old and New Testaments, and that is certainly the case here with the conversion of Saul to what becomes known as Christianity. So what does the name Saul mean, and, and how is that significant to today's reading? Well, in this case, in the case of Saul, the significance is not so much in the meaning of his name, but rather the connection to Saul, the first king of Israel. Uh, that Saul was, of course, a mighty man. And Paul points out in his epistle to the Philippians in the third chapter that he, that Paul, was of the same tribe as Saul, the tribe of Benjamin. You know, further on, he notes how he had been circumcised on the eighth day. He was a zealous as a Pharisee. He was blameless, Paul says of himself, according to the law. And some, if anyone, had a right to boast in the flesh, it was this Saul of Tarsus. Yet he says there in Philippians that he counts all of those things as shit, or as it's weakly translated, rubbish. He counts all of those things as shit, that he may gain Christ, and that he may have the righteousness that comes by faith in Christ. So the conversion of Paul highlights these overarching gospel themes. Now, as it relates to Saul, then he is renamed Paul, and Paul, or Pavlos, is Latin for tiny, small, modest, or humble. And I think it should be clear the significance in understanding and accepting this message of Christ. The mighty and blameless and zealous, that proud Saul becomes Paul the tiny, the modest, the humble one. He no longer relies on his own power, his own righteousness, but he humbles himself before the Almighty God. That's fascinating, Father, learning the significance of the name change and to see how it reflects on the broader narrative of the gospel and the call for us to set aside our own self-righteousness for the sake of Christ. But uh, before returning back to my original question about Paul's sight or, or the loss of it and then restoration of his sight, I'm wondering if you can elaborate on Ananias's role in the story and how he functions. Well, yeah, so no surprise to you. I'm sure Ananias's name is also related to the function of this story and his function in the story. Ananias means that God has given or God is gracious. Mm. Yeah, well, that, that certainly makes sense based on what you've said so far because Ananias is the one who restored Paul's sight so that he could clearly see. And I'm guessing 
then it's no coincidence that God's graciousness, Ananias, is what restores Paul's sight. Yeah, correct. And obviously the main theme of Paul, if we were to boil it down to one very short sentence of uh, Paul's teaching, would be that we're saved by God's grace through faith in Christ. So it is by this Ananias, by God's grace, that Paul is now given his sight. But it's not just that he's given his sight to see physical things, he's given his sight to see the scriptural teaching. And by that it means not just to see Jesus' teaching, but to see that Jesus' teaching was the Old Testament, as we call it, the Old Testament scriptural teaching. Paul now, through God's grace, sees the Old Testament correctly, and he sees that the way of Jesus is the only true way to understand that scripture. Yeah, again, this is all really very fascinating, to be able to learn these connections and to see this overarching biblical theme being compressed or portrayed in just one individual story. And before moving on from the issue of Paul receiving his sight back, I have one additional question, and I find it interesting that his sight was restored prior to rather than after his baptism. Do you have any thoughts on this, Father? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Unfortunately, many today view baptism or other sacraments of the church as well with some sort of really almost magical powers or properties, but this is not the case. Baptism is the sacrament by which one is initiated into the church, by which uh, someone becomes a member of the church. And the sacrament is something where we take the things of this earth and we ask God to give them back to us as something beyond the mere earthly realm. This is true of all sacraments. And in the case of a person being baptized in water, we offer to God the water from this earth, a basic building block of life, and we ask him to transform it into a water that not only washes the body, but also washes the soul, forgiving the one who's baptized of all their prior sin. And we offer the sinner as well, being baptized unto God and God transforms them into a member of his church through that forgiveness of sins. And this is not, again, magical. It's not even a singular event. By that, I mean that baptism is part of a much larger process. And that process begins, at least for the adult, when their eyes are opened and they see the need to be baptized. And you see, if their eyes, like Paul's, were not opened before baptism, then we'd be forcing them into something they oppose. So the eye-opening begins before baptism, just as it did with Paul. Father, we've already gone on uh, about as long as we typically do in one episode, but I want to ask quickly if there's anything else that you'd like to briefly highlight regarding this story of Saul's conversion before we conclude today. Yeah, I would uh, point out that Paul was not like the other apostles because Paul never walked with Jesus during his earthly ministry. He wasn't there as an eyewitness like the other disciples. And ultimately, this should be an encouragement to us who also did not walk with Jesus, uh, which the Gospels uh, properly understood and, and clearly highlight that we need not the physical presence of Jesus to have deep faith. We have Jesus' teaching, and we see Jesus as we live that teaching, and as we humble ourselves like Paul relying not on our own righteousness, but putting our trust in the grace provided by God through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we discuss the events and context surrounding the conversion of St. Paul. 
To begin, Father Aaron reminded us that all of the New Testament canon is influenced by the Pauline tradition. Without his way of thinking and his understanding of Jesus' teaching, along with his determination and zeal, we likely would not have Christianity today as we know it. We also discussed the change of name from Saul to Paul and the significance of the meaning of both names. We see Saul move from a mighty and zealous Pharisee to Paul the small, modest, and humble. Paul no longer relies on his own righteousness, but humbles himself before the Almighty God. And later in the story we see Ananias, meaning God has given or God is gracious, as the one who restores Paul's sight. And his sight is not only restored so that he may see physical things, but to clearly see that Jesus' teaching was the Old Testament scriptural teaching. It is also important to point out that Paul's sight was restored by Ananias before his baptism. Father explained that in baptism we are washed of our prior sins and are initiated into the church. But before this can take place, we must have our eyes opened and recognize our need to be baptized. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to thee, O God.